Hey, people of the internet. Uh, sorry we haven't updated in a while. Uh, we have still been recording episodes. We have quite of a backlog to get through. Um, and, and we'll be doing that. It's just, it's been real crazy lately. Uh, um, but uh, I promise you we're going to start making the updates more regularly. Uh if, if you've never listened to uh, Bookie's podcast, this is a book club where each month we sit down and we discuss a, a particular uh, book. There will be spoilers uh, for that book. Uh, this month's book is uh, Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman, Good Omens, uh, a classic. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy the following discussion. If you're going to be in the uh, uh, Southern California area uh, on the 24th of this month, uh, September, I'm going to be at NerdBotCon, and uh, I, I hope to see you there. We're uh, table uh, 18 in the main hall. We're right next to uh, the giant TARDIS and all the celebrities. Uh, follow us on... Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, for, you know, photo updates and all that kind of stuff. Um, also, if you wanted to support this podcast, if you like what you're listening to, maybe you go to the store, maybe you buy a book at uh, destinycomics.com. Uh, you know, just... Uh, it, it helps with the hosting fees and that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, without any further ado, or gilding the lily, uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, Good Omens. Hope you enjoy. Okay, let's uh, get going here. Yeah. Okay. Silence Woo! the cell phone. Silence oh, the cell phone. Yes. Yeah. Welcome. Can you guys buy me one so I can silence it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you nope. didn't want a cell phone, Dave. I still don't. He does, okay, and I'm not buying you one. I thought you have one that you carry with you when you, for, for emergencies. emergencies or whatever. Nope. Didn't no? you used to have a prepaid for that? No. no. I gave it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> You can have a cell phone even if it doesn't have service. You can still dial nine one one on it. Yep. I could do that from my computer. But not uh, not if you're out driving in your car. You don't have your computer hooked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> I got to be driving over here. Yeah. I'll just stop somebody on the road. Yeah. Can I borrow your cell phone? Or we're going to go. Tips. We're going to go around in a circle and announce who you are, just so that the listeners can uh, connect the name with the voice. <clears throat> So, I'm Brandon Noel. I'm Wayne Abraham. I am Louis Lopez. I'm David McFarlane. I'm Justin Stallard. I'm Bonnie Stallard. And I'm Millie Noel. And Sometimes uh, referred to as Guns. Yes, yes. <laughs> Formerly of the French. Secretly this one. <laughs> I know, I'm ahead. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Um, okay, so... So, uh, we're going to dive into Good Omens. Um, this is a book I attempted to read in college, but because college, I didn't finish. <laughs> because <laughs> college. Um, 
I finally finished it like a week ago, and I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was proud of by the fact that I could read it in five days. I, oh. I would never do that. <laughs> well, I have the audio version of this, uh-huh. and the audio version is something like 16 hours. Oh, man. So it, it is a... You know, bit of a trudge. It's a bit of a trudge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you know two pages short of being four hundred pages, so you know. Yeah. So. You think they'd just go the extra? <laughs> <you know? laughs> just do the last two pages. An yeah. epilogue. <laughs> you know, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing significant happens. Next page, the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I basically, um, I heard sounds. Sorry. Easily distracted. Focus. Um, my favorite part of the book, or basically my favorite characters, were Crowley and uh, um, Azrael. Azrael, yeah, Azrael. Azrael. I, I read it as Azrael. Azrael. That's how they pronounce it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. how it's pronounced. I pronounce it as Azrael. Azrael. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sure there's everyone else has their own way of saying it. Yeah. But I think a zero fail is how they say it on the audio yeah. file, so it's kind of how I went with it. There is, I couldn't get a copy of it. I looked and I couldn't even find where to buy it. But BBC did a radio, like it's, um, I forget how many hours they are, because the, the BBC radio drama is abridged. They cut some stuff out. But it's still like, I think, it's still like 10 hours. Wow, um, and they did this whole radio drama with actors and stuff like that. That would be fun. That would be fun. And when Terry Pratchett passed away, BBC aired it again. Aww. So, yeah. Rest in peace, Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, why don't you start off by explaining what the book is about? Okay. Yeah. That might be a good start. Brief synopsis. Um, basically, uh, as I've been explaining to friends at work. A angel and a demon get together in the early '90s to stop the apocalypse. <laughs> um, it sounds like a comedy. <laughs> like hey, a show you well, an angel and yeah. a demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's very much a period piece. Oh, well, I see it as a period piece because it, it's like eight late, eight, late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Like they, you know, they talk about cassettes and you know, <laughs> Queen, and even in the audio uh, version. Before um, pocket cell phones. Before pocket cell phones. That would have made things a little easier. Um, but in the audio drama, or, or the uh, book on tape, Freddie Mercury is actually credited. Like, like acknowledges <laughs> copyrights and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's freaking awesome. But uh, my favorite scene um, is this brief little bit with Crawley, where, because we one of our favorite British shows is... Um, Top Gear, and they're always making fun of the M15. <laughs> and there's this whole bit of business where Crawley, went, during the construction of the M15, has made it this the shape of a demonic sigil. So all these cars, when they go through the M15, are psychically charging all the evil in London. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes, he talks about how it was part of like he had to you know forge documents, he had to change things, and at the last minute he even kicked a, uh, a... Like he had to go out and change some a, stuff. A post, like, to two feet or whatever, you know. So that was probably my favorite bit. And then it came back in the end, hmm. in, in the final chapter. in the bud. Yeah, because it was just this <coughs> massive demonic traffic jam at the end of the world. Um, so let's go around and talk about our yeah. favorite parts. Wayne, what was your, your favorite bit? 
One of my favorite scenes is uh, the biker bar scene. But then the next time you run into them, because you have the four horsemen or motorcyclists of the apocalypse meeting up at this bar, and their shirts or jackets all say Hell's Angels on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have four actual Hell's Angels in there who they look like, you know, a bunch of noobs, you know, with, you know, for them, I think all but one have, you know, nice clean clothes and stuff. And, so they go over to give them hell and, you know, okay, what chapter are you guys from? Revelations, chapter 6, <laughs> verse 22, or uh, 18, 18 through 22, yeah, or something like that. That had me rolling. It's like, oh. But the next time, but you'd sit to being, when the, the leader of the group, who's death, flips up his visor, the, the leader of this other group of you know normal hell's angels instead of running and screaming out of the room is like oh you guys are the real thing you know and it's I so the next you on the cover of this magazine blue, blue oyster cult yeah. I had you on a, a blue oyster the cover of a blue oyster album yeah. and I laughed because that's a real band and, just, and I think I think I think I have some rings with your face on it <laughs> but the next time you see them they're tagging along between between them and, and my favorite part is their discussion like okay what are we going to be well I want you can't be war too. she's already war you know we have to come up with our own names and this whole discussion you know is grievous bodily harm GBH that's me you know and and uh, you know one of the guys comes up with something and he goes no 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 I want to change it you know and and then ask permission to change it yeah. you know yeah. ask permission to change it and and so I think one of them was cruelty to animals. Couldn't tell if he was for or against it. Yeah, that bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and ah, the scene just got looked up. Yes. Oh yes, got looked up. <laughs> yes, I want to be cruelty to animals," said Greaser. Big Bog wondered if he was for it or against it. Not that it really mattered. But uh, when it gets all all to the end of it. And they have their discussion. You have death and famine and war and pollution continued biking toward Tadfield. And grievous bodily harm, cruelty to animals, things not working properly even after you've given them a good thump. But secretly, no alcohol lager. (laughs) And really cool people traveled with them. And I, yeah, I just love how later on it's like he's changed his name again, like five more times. So it's like all these people plus this person, formerly this, formerly things that don't work properly <laughs> after you dump them, but secretly, yeah, <laughs> you know, no alcohol, never actually no alcohol out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pre- formally, yeah. formally scuzz, which was like what the original name. Yeah. But that's that one. That one scene. That I just read is is one that made me chuckle out loud in, in the book. I mean, there were lots of them that made me smile and grin, but that one got actual <laughs> now, verbal here, response. I, here's something I found myself struggling with. Um, we've all read Terry Pratchett. Well, not all of us. Dave's new. Um, I don't know if you, if you have read Terry Pratchett in the past. No. Not your guy. He writes death very profoundly, very well. Neil Gaiman 
has his own interpretation of death that is also just as profound. And I, reading this book, I could definitely pick out the bits of business that were Terry Pratchett, mm-hmm. but I had a hard time picking out the moments that was Gaiman. That was uniquely Gaiman. That was uniquely I Gaiman. I think for me, the only reason why that didn't bother me is because I've never really read Gaiman before. Yeah. So I'm assuming if I read Gaiman, I'd be like, oh, that's him. That's him, yeah. you know. But personally, I never, I really haven't read Gaiman, so that was, I figured if I just started reading more of him, I'd be able to say that, you know. Maybe. I don't know. I've only read one of his books. I read Coraline. Oh, so, yeah. which is creepier yeah. than the than the movie, actually. The, really? the movie was creepy. The book was creepier. Um and it was very good, and but but I don't know that I could really pick it apart either. Then again, I've read so much Pratchett that you know the Pratchett <laughs> jumps off the page. Yeah, although so. the, the one scene where the telephone salespeople are devoured uh, by the maggots is probably Neil Gaiman. Probably. That yeah. might be him. Yeah, that was a pretty Pratchett gruesome scene. Writing <laughs> that, that was yeah, yeah, that's, that's you're probably that's right. About. <laughs> um, okay, how about you, Lewis? Yeah. Um, the the scene that I enjoyed chuckling at was uh, with the witch and uh, the gunpowder and the nails and, and they're and they're talking about this witch that is being burned at the stake and like she fills her petticoats with like nails and gunpowder and I'm like oh my god she's taking everybody with her <laughs> and she did and she really did talk about that one guy who was found two miles away two miles away in a tree because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm reading this and I'm and I'm going huh that's an odd thing to oh <laughs> <laughs> she goes willingly and tells everybody to move real close yeah, yeah. you may not get another chance to see something like this <laughs> and then like she like when they came for it's like you're late like yeah. She, yeah, she was like, I, I, I should have been probably dead. Like, you with all that gunpowder. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should have been dead like 15 <laughs> minutes since or something. Yeah. That, 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 little, so great. that little bit at the end where she's talking, telling them about this, and then she looks up to the sky. Mm. And that goes for you too, you daftered you boy. think, okay, she's talking to God. Yeah. And then later on in the story, you realize she's talking to somebody to in, his yeah, in his dream. Yeah. Because he sees her death in his dream. And, and, she's talking and she him. looks straight at him and shakes her finger at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty yeah. I got, I, admit, I got a little creeped out by that. <laughs> like, oh, if I were him, I'd be like, no. Well, <laughs> that was it the nice and neat... The, the, uh, the nice and accurate yeah. prophecies yeah, yeah. of Agnes Nutter. Which, Agnes yeah, Nutter. Right on the cover. Yeah. So yeah, that was I think that was my my favorite little little tiny portion of the book. Okay, Dave. Actually, I have uh, three little scenes in the book that I enjoyed. The first one that that made me chuckle was uh, when Hell sent the dog. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. That's nothing. The book described the dog as some mean, huge hellhound from hell, and then. The boy wants to find a little alley mutt, and the thing just shrinks down into what he wanted. Yeah, and then comes out wagging its tail. This is the crucial moment. Yeah, what will be named? Crusher, beast, yeah. dog, and a dog. dog. <laughs> and then uh, like, talk. The, the second, the second uh, scene in the book that kind of made me chuckle was uh, Shadwell thinking that his. Powers of his of his hand <laughs> yeah. was was the old was the old mighty power to destroy evil. Pushes his hand down. Like, yeah. Whoa! Because <laughs> he thought because he thought he uh, banished uh, 
Azrafel after he went through the, the portal and the phone. <laughs> the, the profanity was the best bit of that. Yeah. Because he's like, bollocks! And then all of a sudden, you know, he steps in the circle and goes, yeah. Azazra, Azazrafel cursed for the second time in five minutes. Yeah. Fuck! Boom! <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the last the last favorite scene of mine, which was probably my favorite, is when Crowley showed up at the Air Force Base with what was left of his car. <laughs> <laughs> that old the car hits the ground because he no longer imagines that it still had tires. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was... Yeah, yeah. That, those are my three favorite scenes of the book. Oh, uh, that freaking scene with the old guy—that was the, you know, with, uh, Crowley in the car, like <laughs> cars on fire. Oh, I'm sure he knows his cars on fire. Oh, he's sitting here thinking about it two or three times. It doesn't say anything, and he can't stand it. Finally, when Crowley's driving away, your car's on fire. Because <laughs> he said strange weather we're having. I hadn't noticed. That's because your car's on fire! <laughs> he fucked to himself. Yeah, he finally said it. Finally like, said that's it, the only time he mentioned it, but he thinks, he's thinking, I'm going to say this. Oh no, why would I say it? He obviously knows he's sitting in the flames. <laughs> I love how in his head he's already like writing the letter to the <laughs> city. That was crazy. He was funny. I know people like that. <laughs> oh boy. And the thing is, I am people like that. <laughs> You're sitting there and, and the book is moving along and all of a sudden they introduce this guy out of the blue and slow the whole thing down, giving you a vignette of what he's like, and and you're sitting here going, but why but, do I care? And, and then <laughs> they the bring all of these people by him who are trying to find the airbase for the final confrontation, <laughs> and by by the time you've had five different groups of people come by asking directions, it gets pretty darn funny. That bit <laughs> was so good. Um, Adam, you get the, the the horsemen. Adam Young and his gang. You get Crowley and their his situation. And, and, and Adam Isabel and in Madam Tracy. In with Madam <laughs> Tracy, yeah. with, with Shadwell on the motor scooter. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, the scene we just described. Oh, that was oh, your favorite. Sorry. One of yeah. my favorites. It's okay, know, I had abandoned that. Just, I wanted to talk about it. It. Uh, I. I, I, I Heard well. We were having reading to each other on that one, and, and I was thinking that would have made a, a, a hilarious bit in a TV show or a movie or <laughs> something oh. like that. You know, you, you you could draw that out for ten minutes and nobody would mind. <laughs> you know, even though it doesn't carry the story along much. So well, that's that, one yeah. seems like that, but they don't really carry the story but yeah. you as a viewer are like okay this is a great scene I don't yeah. care if it doesn't progress the plot and you exactly when they that. get to war there's a similar scene where they get to war and she's in the bar and everyone comes her I claim this land for the, you know the republic right. I claim this you know I started laughing because I saw it as a Saturday Night Live sketch like <laughs> I saw like this could be a Saturday Night yes. Live sketch yes. <laughs> I claim this for these people. Uh, you know, the bartender jumps over with two machine guns. <laughs> it's already claimed for this. And then in comes the delivery guy. <laughs> Through all of these, it's like it's like everybody stops because they hear him coming in. He's, excuse me. Everybody he's, stops and watches him deliver. Door. <laughs> they don't do anything. They just walk just He just goes around all the, you know. He's, he's great. He's probably my See, see, my mind jumps to uh, uh, Marvin the Martian. Like, I claim this planet in the name of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, are they gonna? Okay. <laughs> okay, Bonnie. Uh, well, Dave already said mine. 
Um, my absolute favorite, my favorite character in the book is Dog. Mm-hmm. And my favorite scene by far is that scene where he is this hellhound who is dripping, you know, poisonous, acidic saliva and leaving, you know, footprints in granite, you know, your demon spawn of hell, this horrible thing that would terrify me because I'm afraid of dogs. Um, and then he's being, he's like, oh, you know, if his master says follow, he'll follow. If he says kill, he'll kill, you know, and he's, Here's his master's voice, and he's drawing closer, and it's like, you know, and he describes him as this little yapping dog, and, and you know, and then names him as dog, and it's a, and I love all the moments throughout the book where he, you know, he tried um, chasing a cat and got hit on the face, and next he would try yapping at it a lot and see if that worked, you know, <laughs> or, or the scene where he didn't want to enter the, the cottage because it had a, a horseshoe above the door. <laughs> and a little bit of hell left him. Each time these things happen, a little bit more of hell leaves him. And then by the end, he doesn't want to be a hellhound anymore. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go eat tortured souls. They don't taste like anything. Here, there's tastes, and and in hell there aren't any bitches. You know, because he's like, yeah, come on now, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to go back to hell. I'm liking it here. He's enjoying being a dog. You know, you take this horrible, horrible thing that I've, you know, you've read about in books because you've got. I've read plenty of fantasy books or things like that where, you know, you've got the hounds of hell, you know. Cerebus. Yeah, yeah. all these things, you know. And he's been changed into this little dog. And he just <laughs> loves being this dog. Absolute favorite. Um, but let's see. It's something we haven't mentioned. Um, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot. Of really a great bits. This book. Has so many scenes that you like. The book uh, when I was reading it again, or listening to the audio book, Anytime the, the story left Aziraphale and Crawley, I found myself getting a little annoyed. Because you want to see them. I you wanted do. More you want them. more of them. You know what, though? I have to say, and I almost missed it because um, Justin and I were trying to keep along, but he'd read a little bit ahead, and then I, I was going to catch up, and then we were going to start reading aloud together again. And this was last night, and, and he was about 20 pages ahead, so I'm like, I'll just skim it really fast. Well, thankfully, I, like did because the scene that introduced death was there uh-huh. and being a huge Terry Pratchett fan <laughs> oh my goodness that okay that was the, you have to give that delivery guy that we mentioned props because yeah. because he goes and delivers to everybody right okay he delivers the sword to war he delivers the scales to famine he delivers the crown, crown to not pollution. 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 Yes, pestilence. Pestilence. Just retired. Retired after penicillin. <laughs> he went away screaming something about penicillin and retired. Melina and I had this conversation earlier mm-hmm. about the retirement of plague. Pestilence. Yeah. Pestilence. Because it's the only thing that actually kind of bothered me a little bit. She, yeah. It bothered her, and it bothered me a little bit because. Given that this book came out late eighties, early nineties, yeah. mm-hmm. that reeked a little bit of Captain Planet. <laughs> like the end of the world's going to be brought about by pollution, not. But it fit the time period thing, that it was in. My yeah. thing was, and I get it, pollution was. I, I can kind of see why you would do that. But my only problem with it was, why does pestilence get out of it, man? I mean, I, I understand, <laughs> well, the, you know, penicillin, whatever. But it's like 
the other three horsemen were there. They were yeah. there. They went with their like what they were supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, well, he get retirement. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> In the nineties, they had one of the the. That was the beginning of the, big, uh, the AIDS, AIDS epidemic. Yeah. You would have yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I get it. But I think they were trying to, I, you know, who knows? Who knows? I'm just saying, to why does he But get I still thought that that was funny. And <coughs> anyway, I, I, I'm you saying, have, if, if Adam is there, the bachelor needs to be there, okay? <laughs> That's just it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, what I was saying, the delivery guy. <laughs> so he's right. delivered all these things. It's okay. And then he goes through his, he reads his instructions, which are obviously very specific. They have to be in order to get to these crazy places where these people are. And he reads them again. He writes a note to his wife telling her that he loves her. He gets out of his delivery van and walks into the road. And then around, he gets hit by a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And here, here's death. And he's like, I, I have a message for you. You know, and he's like, oh, well, I admire your, you know, Okay. Commitment to duty, you know, your, your job and everything, you know, and he delivers his message, and that's like, oh, finally, and you know, like, well, you know, and and you're just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, he's delivered everything else. How else is he going to deliver to death? Like he literally, like you're like stepped in front of a truck, stepped in front of him. Yeah, you're like, whoa. I, I did like that at the end. They brought him. They back. brought him back. Yeah. I thought that was great. Wasn't there supposed to be a sword? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I. I'm sorry. Here, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on, on, it. on it for half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. And, and the funny thing is that the delivery guy in the Terry Pratchett movies, he always played a little bit yeah. in all of his movies. And for some reason, when I read about the delivery guy, I see little bearded Terry Pratchett. <laughs> going going the postal, yeah. As the, where, you yeah. were at the end where he's delivering the mail, that's how he pictures so that's, that's the delivery guy. So. I see the delivery guy. That's fair. Well, I mean, that's a good interpretation of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very appropriate. Yeah. So, we're glad that he came back. But, all right, Maylene. Well, for, surprisingly, no one mentioned my, two of my favorite scenes. Well, one of them got mentioned, but it wasn't mentioned as a favorite scene. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the Inquisition with a them. Like, when they're doing <laughs> their oh, my gosh, I know version that. of the Inquisition. It's like, that. And they're like, well, maybe we'll start off as the Spanish Inquisition, but then make it more British. <laughs> It'd be like the British Inquisition. Are you a witch? Yes. <laughs> You're supposed to say no. But I want to be a witch. It's like this whole like argument between um, Pepper and her sister. And it's like, but I want to be a witch. No, you can't. Well, you can be a witch, but you can't say that you're a witch at first. You have to deny it. So we can torture you to find out that you're a witch. You know? And so it's like, I'll give you my whatever toy set. I haven't even played it. You have to. It's worn out. This is messing ahead. So it's like, you know, I love that just because it's like, it's these just kids playing, you know, statue or what they think is supposed to go down with the Inquisition. It smells a bit like I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so that just whole scene I thought was really funny, you know, because it just showed Adam just being a regular kid and not knowing who he is, you mm-hmm. know, not knowing that, you know, not knowing that anything he pretends or imagines will actually eventually come up, like with the Tibetans and everything <laughs> no, that he imagines. Oh my goodness, the aliens, <laughs> <But> the <Atlantis>. <laughs> My <laughs> second favorite scene, it was mentioned, like I said, but I, I don't, it wasn't mentioned as, it was like the prelude to the favorite scene, is when they all meet in the bar, you know, war, mm-hmm. uh, famine, and all of them, meet the, and I love it because as each one comes in, a new thing is added to the trivia. Like, at first mm-hmm. it's like all these things that you'd expect to find in a trivia game, like, you know, music, pop culture, whatever, and then they'll take one category, take it away, and add war. <laughs> T- 
takes another one, so it's like war and famine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so pop culture was always there. Though. Yeah, pop culture was always there. <laughs> you know, and like I like how one of the questions during the war was like, how many times has France been at war with England? It's like, oh god, twenty times. Uh, you know, like they're trying to guess uh-huh. how many times. And then, um, like when famine comes along, one of the questions is. Uh, about the great potato famine in Ireland. <laughs> they knew about all these, yeah. And, you know, so, and then, but like each one gets harder and harder because they know le- less about pollution the right. category than they did about war, you know. So I, I thought that was always just interesting. I loved how that trivia thing ended, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because earlier, you remember when I was talking about that, like, um, I forget what they named it, but basically it was a tabloid uh-huh. thing. The, oh, like yeah. the Weekly World News kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> We're saying this and this, and it all happens in Des Moines. I don't know why they picked Des Moines, but anyway, you know, this person, for, and, and, and it's, you know, um, Jesus' face on toast, and then, you know, something other, abduction, alien abduction, or whatever. And then, you know, it mentions Elvis yeah. was seen working at a, a burger restaurant, a burger joint kind yeah. of thing. And, and it lists all the werewolves and like all these things, and it says one of these is true. And then later, you end up at this burger joint, and there's this guy who looks a lot like Elvis who's flipping burgers. And then you get to the scene where they're doing the trivia, and and the person who's actually answering the questions has gotten every single one right, even when the other guys haven't got it. No, 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 it wasn't GVH. No, they were all. It was not one of the bikers. It was. It was death, death, and you don't realize oh, it until the end. was there first. He, he was there already because he was already there because he's everywhere. Yeah. So he wasn't, they were all waiting for him. He wasn't late. That's he was like already there. One of the and and one of the questions was about when Elvis died. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, it's this and this. It's that. It's that. Pick it. And the guy's like, I never touched him. And they realized it was death. They had to go go back to, oh, yeah, Elvis is still alive, according to their. I love how offended he gets. Like, I never touched him. I didn't lay a hand on him. <laughs> what talking about? Like he, he storms away, leaving all his That's prizes. Nice. Yeah. He storms over to the table, like, uh-uh, forget this game. Mm. It's wrong. I, I, I never. <laughs> yeah, I loved That's that. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I love how um, Wayne mentioned earlier that, or he mentioned the biker earlier. One of them has like love tattooed on one hand and hate on the other. Yeah. And then the other biker had fish, fish and, and chips. chips. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> that That's awesome. a tough man tattoo, yeah. fish and chips. I love that. So very British. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Um, so, so, real quick, um, how many here have read, like, Sandman or Neil Gaiman's works? No one? I've, I've read one book of his, but it was not Sandman. It was Anansi Boys, which uh, is which is fantastic, but Sandman is on my to-be-read pile. Because right, I wanted to compare Pratchett's death to Neil Gaiman's death, but... Yeah, he's not in... He's not, not really. One. If you've never read uh, Sandman, Neil Gaiman's depiction of death is a teenage girl. <laughs> you know. I, I I have seen lots of depictions of death, and I've enjoyed many of them. But I have to say, Terry Pratchett is my favorite. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and the one amazing. thing that was consistent with death in this book and in Terry Pratchett's book is that death speaks in all caps. Mm-hmm. Had no quotation marks. Just you know, yeah. And no caps. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. It's just the words all caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, what I loved about it is because this is early Pratchett. This is after Color of Magic was released. And so it was only the first of his disc world. I don't know if he was currently writing the second one or not. Uh, you know, it might have been. 
But um, so this Probably. is. Considering Probably that they were like it, a yeah. two part. So this is early, early, you know, as far as disco goes. Career, yeah. 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 And so it's really interesting to me to see how well defined he was just so early on. Like he knew his writing style. He Definitely. knew, you know, how he wanted to do death, you know. Yes, like Grievous, Grievous Bodily Heart. Yeah. That was one, that's what the biker chose. Well, there's a character in one of the Disco World books, and I don't even remember which one at this point because I've read so many, whose name was Grievous Bodily Harmus. So, you know, <laughs> so you see some of these things, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's, duh, there's yeah, Cratchit right there. You, you can know? see the way he writes names. Like, I know in a lot of his Discworld stuff, he'll give people longer names. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what was it, Bloody Stupid Johnson. And right, like, yeah, it's, it's, thing, it's yeah. never... Cut me on throat dibbler. Yeah, cut me yeah. on throat dibbler. Yeah, I never think, just. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Oh, it's I think rarely you just came names. up with all of the original like witch hunter names. Oh that, yeah. You know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thou shalt not commit adultery, Jones, or whatever. The name of the thunder gun. It's I don't remember it, but it's it takes up two lines. The, what they named it. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The gun yeah. itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And the thunder gun of that one witch hunter major. Yes. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> the witch names. hunters were freaking oh hilarious. Shadwell was one of my favorite <laughs> characters. Shadwell was awesome. He was... <laughs> I, I love the... Milk, man. The narrator uh, uh, <laughs> at one point talks about how the witch hunters are on both payrolls. Yes. Because <laughs> they're kind of doing good things for hell by being these <laughs> radical idiots. Right, but, but the Christians have to back them, or the heavenly army has to back them up. Otherwise they look bad. Compared to like something to the fact that if you're American, you have to back someone who's anti-communist. Right, basically, yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh God, alright, okay. <laughs> you know, so they were, the witch hunters were on both payrolls. And I love stories. how he came up with <laughs> Yeah, you had a const, you know, constable Cupboard and like so and so table, and, you know, because it's just him yeah. and Newt. But he needed to have more people on the right. payroll, so he's got creative payroll. He's yeah. creative payroll, and half of them are Smith. Yeah, because <laughs> he didn't have very much imagination. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was Smythe, but most of them were Smith. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was like Messrs. Smith and Smith, no relation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. last name. Yeah. Oh, how, how much were they getting paid? He probably needed money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 So if you got five hundred. Yeah, five shillings. Shillings. Yeah. <laughs> that's up. And then you get two different groups of people to pay the salaries. Right. It's livable. Yeah. It's livable. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh let's go back around the table and talk about things. I don't know if we have anything that we don't like about this book. Well, I mentioned the one thing. That I, I had a, a thing that one of the characters... You, you don't under you don't know what happens to him afterwards. Which one? Uh, the demon after he gets out of the phone. Oh! And then he gets out of the phone, he and kills then all this, the people, and, and then he just goes back to hell, and we never see him again. You never see him again. Oh, you expected I, to see I expected him again. there to yeah. be another confrontation between him and Crowley. That yeah. would have mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, so I was. If they had ever done a sequel, there would have been something. I was a little there. disappointed in that part, but other than that, I think my besides the. Trying to keep up with this storyline, that storyline, that story. There's like a, a dozen or half a dozen storylines, and it jumps around a lot. It does. So that yeah. was all problem. I think my only real, real problem, and I mentioned this to Wayne, is I expected, like to me, I expected more of a fight. 
at the end, like the apocalyptic. Like, I yeah. know, I understand Adam was like, no, I don't want, the, you know, you guys fighting. I don't mm-hmm. want the world to end. And he is the Antichrist, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's the one that, you know, uh, war, pollution, and everyone is supposed to follow into battle, mm-hmm. you know. So if he doesn't fight, I mean, I, they could still fight, but really what would be the point? Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of expected more of, at least more of a, them trying to get him to fight. Like, more of them trying to, you know, I guess more of a scuffle, I guess mm-hmm. I could have said. And then when the ground, you know, shook, and I'm thinking, oh, here comes you-know-who. Yeah. I'm thinking, it didn't pay off for me. Like, that's... I thought it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard when when Adam just... That's the thing. It's like, okay, if my father's going to show up angry, it's going to be my earthly father, not this yeah. something other father. Yeah. So, and suddenly, <laughs> Satan's not coming up out of the ground, but his dad's driving up. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's still his father. Okay. Not that it was a bad <laughs> ending. It's just I felt a little, like, I, I just wanted, like, a little more fight. Mm-hmm. Not that it was bad. It's just I felt a little anticlimactic. A, a little more confrontation There's to a, me. Because he's up to he everything. He's up. You have this very you know, long day. How is he going to get them out of there? And I was like, oh, well, no fighting today. I'm like, oh, a little fighting wouldn't have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> because they kind of foreshadowed that with them fighting <coughs> the other gangs, the, mm-hmm. the Johnsonites. Yeah. yeah, but their fights were never really... They weren't really fights. Yeah. They, they were kid fights. Yeah. Kid battles where you throw things at each other and no one really gets hurt except yeah. a couple bruises. The Johnsonites, you know. is he one of yours? Is he one of yours? I don't know. They're the, the, the Jacobites. And the, 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 was it? There's a lot of sects. I, it's hard to keep up with all of them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> when Metatron shows up, mm-hmm. the one girl goes, that's not Metatron. Metatron has a tank and turns into a dinosaur. That's Megatron. I had one of those, but his head broke or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turns into a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> I did so, appreciate that they were able to interject humor into that scene. Like, mm-hmm. this is very tense, like, what's going to happen? And, you know, I just <laughs> loved that, I mean, obviously it was because of Adam's help, but I just loved that the kids, with their homemade weapons, Took on yeah. and beat the bad guy. That was pretty awesome. I will say. You know, yeah. I thought that was great. That it wasn't that's like every child's imagination. You conquer the bad guy. I think the one you thing know? that I appreciated was that it wasn't a bunch of like people, like military people with their guns. It wasn't yeah, like no. that. It was just it was, they were they were all they were asleep, asleep on the job. <laughs> yeah, it was Pepper with her homemade sword, yeah. and it clashed with the sword of war. And who who failed? War. <laughs> of course, most people failed when they came up against Pepper. <laughs> I liked her. Um, but I'd have to say that my real problem with the book was definitely the the way it was written by the, the Britishism is what you were saying. Because <laughs> I'm not really used to reading a book like that. So there was just some several areas of the book where I just did not understand what was going on because I'm not familiar with how, or we'll say the British slang. Mm-hmm. The British yeah. slang. And the, the humor in there. I mean, I just didn't understand it because um, I'm not familiar with it. So if some people were actually reading the book, they might not enjoy the book because of that. Right. No, that's, that's a fair, fair criticism. There's even a little in the footnotes there's a bit where they're talking about a county, or like if you're an American reader, the size of American Mall, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like, <laughs> like oh okay, like yeah. that was like actually kind of helpful. It's like okay, I know what. Yeah, <laughs> there was a whole footnote about yeah. the British money, and I was like, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and there was just some parts where just the way it was written, I just didn't understand what was happening. Like, I'm, I'm assuming at the very beginning when the babies were delivered at the hospital that the Satanist nuns switched the kids and then misplaced them? I, I think what happened is because there's one... There's a moment where the the evil nun has two babies. Yeah. And she picks one up and wasn't supposed to. Like, I think they goofed up. What it was was she switched out the babies mm. for what she thought. Like, she was switching... Like she she, like she thought to. she was switching the baby to the American embassy guy. And she was really giving Satan's spawn to the British guy. Yeah. Yeah, like one she, nun switched and then another nun re-switched. Okay. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm sorry, okay, I gave it right. They so even the basically they just corrected the mistake. No. No, they, what, they no, ended up... What, okay, that's what happened. Yeah. One they had babies stolen. A, B, and C. Yeah. A is the British baby, B is the American baby, C is the Antichrist. The nun was supposed to switch it, switch the Antichrist with baby B. That's what she was supposed to do. She switched it with baby A instead, the British guy. And then another nurse came in and gave her a look that was supposed to be like, which one's the Antichrist? Uh, and, and she pointed the wrong baby. So the the British baby that already got switched got switched with the American baby. So A am- got switched with B. And then the American baby ended up going up for adoption. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it became... Um, actually became the Johnsonite, the Johnsonite guy, the yeah. Gracie Johnson. Well, yeah. Is that what that was? Yeah. That's what it was. Because okay. what they said is, we, we'll let you think that the baby got adopted and, and grew up and, and won awards for his tropical fish. We'll just let you think that. And then, of course, you're imagining the worst that happened to the extra baby, right? <laughs> yeah. And then later on, when he introduces Greasy Johnson and he's describing that he secretly loves his tropical fish, blah, blah, blah. And like, awards for And when it's won awards for you're like, see, you were right about what happened to the baby. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> okay, I, I, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. So I didn't mean, either. I didn't catch it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So I could see why they'd be confused. I had to have Bonnie explain that one to me too. Like, yeah, we, we had a hard was, time with that the scene. Kid, who was the kid flying in the airplane? Warlock. That, that, that was supposed to be, to be the Antichrist. What the forces of hell thought was the Antichrist. Yeah, okay. he was. He was actually the, the real son of the British parents. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he was supposed to be the Antichrist. They were supposed to replace the. Yeah. The American baby with the Antichrist, and so they replaced the British baby with the Antichrist. There, I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a, a one that cracked it recently. Is stories that would be incredible told from other characters' perspectives. <laughs> yeah. So I kept imagining the story told from Warlock's perspective. Right? He got the shitty name. <laughs> you know. He had the weirdest tutor yeah. and the weirdest nanny. <laughs> weirdest okay. partner. And he lived in Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, 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 lived, he lived in England because he was dad was the American ambassador. And then he ended up going to America at the end. Yeah, but yeah. I thought his parents were actually from Des Moines. They may have been originally from Des Moines, but he yeah. was living at the, Amer- at the American embassy in England. So he was yeah, and he then, gets hauled off into the desert. he gets hauled off into the desert to where to Armageddon's actual, supposed to be. the actual location of he's Armageddon. He's shown all these things. They're like, isn't there something you want to do? He's like, yeah, I want to go home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, and then I'm not sure at the very beginning of the book of whether it was a biblical reference or not, but yes. when yeah. Azraphel gave his sword away... He was supposed to be the angel guarding the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. Yeah. But Adam and Eve were going out on their own, and Eve was pregnant or something, and he took pity on them. He's like, they're going to get cold. Here, you can have the sword. There's dangerous things out there. So he okay. gave his sword away. Yeah, it was Which, <laughs> yeah, it's a reference to, like, East of Eden and, yeah. and you know, the... The Garden of Eden story. And even he's like, oh, man, that didn't go as well as I expected. Right. You know, and Crowley's like, well, you know, you can't blame them. A big thing that says don't touch in the center of everything. (laughs) (laughs) With a neon arrow pointing out. I don't remember neon. Well, it was metaphoric. (laughs) I love that every time Crowley would use a metaphor, it's like, well, the... I'm, I'm just using a metaphor. It's not, I'm not talking literally, you know. Like I talked about how he's like, I know you don't want to be playing the heart for eternity, and I don't want to be, you know, pitchforks for all eternity. Angels don't play hearts. And he goes, it's a metaphor. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of, as I was going through it, I I pictured, maybe not them specifically, but I felt like Gaiman was at least in charge of Crawley, even if he wasn't. Cause I almost pictured Gaiman as Crawley and Pratchett as Azarafel. So I was like, maybe not exactly that way, but I think that Gaiman wrote Crawley and, and Pratchett wrote Azarafel because they were so different and yeah. they just were, you know, I don't know. I just kind of pictured that. You know, that, that might be true because when you get to <laughs> some of the Sandman stuff, Gaiman does write Satan and he does yeah, write... I don't know. I just kind of uh, got that feeling. Uh, Beelzebub as two separate entities. Right. Um, I don't know, maybe because because Azarafel just felt like so much like other characters that Pratchett has written mm-hmm. and Crawley was different. And so, I don't know, maybe that was why. There's that beat when Crawley pulls out the holy water. <laughs> yeah. That was oh one of God. the best beats I love ever. That and he's like, because, you know, he's got his gloves, he's got his tongs, he's got everything, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I knew what it was. I was like, what on earth would he be handling with that much care? Oh, my gosh, it's holy water. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and then and he's got those plastic bottles. I could go away. Yeah, <laughs> if, if it hadn't dripped, he yeah. might have been able to pull it off. But oh, the whole thing on the telephone lines when he, yeah. when he has the uh, name oh. chasing him and then the last act he turns around and hangs with the phone. Yeah, it's great. Oh, okay, my gosh. Let's, let's get back to the sword part. But oh. when I was thinking about the sword later on, Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the book, when Azrafel was sitting on it, I thought that was going to be his new sword. Yeah, I thought it was his sword. Period, because he gave it away to a human, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. since the four horsemen of the apocalypse were figments of your imagination, did Azrafel create the four horsemen of the apocalypse by giving the sword away? Because the sword was held by war. Well, I think it was his sword. I'm sure it was his sword. The way it was written, it was like when he Definitely. got it, he said. It's, been, oh, it's like it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Like he got, like, he got his sword years. back. Yeah. It's a lot heavier than I remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he got his sword back. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you're, it was. Right. Now I don't know that he created them. Well, um, he remember, did. it's all part of the ineffable plan or whatever. Well, yeah. I, don't, I, I understood it as possibly that he was the original war. Well, yeah. as as uh, yeah, Azrael, because you know, that's what gave the sword away. He lost position. Well, because when he talks to heaven, he's like, I'm going to need a new sword. Yes, we remember. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, they're still upset about it. 6,000 years later, they're still upset. Yeah, we know. (laughs) We'll get you one. Just get up here. One one of the things I found interesting is, you know, they they go through the materialization of the Metatron, the voice of God. 
and then the materialization, materialization of Beelzebub. And I forget who it is. If it was... Uh, the witch or the medium. Madam Tracy or... Or... Uh, oh, or um, <laughs> Anathema device. Anathema. 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 Yes. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Anathema. Oh, I kept saying anathema. See, that's what I was pronouncing. We looked it up. It's anathema. In the audio book, they say anathema. Well, it's an actual word. We looked up how to pronounce the word. It's anathema. Was Madame Tracy a prostitute as well? Yes. Okay. They never say it, but there's enough. There's enough implied stuff. Yeah. Like the mirrors and. But it was it was one it was one of the two of them. Who, uh, or I think that commented or thought how much the two of them looked alike except for their eyes. Yeah, that yeah they looked very much alike except for their eyes. Yes, that was noted. Who looked alike? No, no, no. The the Metatron and Beelzebub. The only difference was their eyes. That they looked. Almost identical except for their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the two ladies made that. I missed that. Part. Noticed that. I, I, I missed that part. Missed that part in my head, I pictured them as completely different entities, but that was. But they were surprisingly similar, or something like that. Although to be fair, yeah. by that time I'd read a lot in that day, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to get. Okay. <laughs> See, at that point, I was reading aloud to Bonnie yes. and Justin, yeah. so. Uh, you I don't miss things so much when you're re- the one reading aloud. I did catch yeah, one yeah. or two things when listening to you read. To, like, I know it's my second going through. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I didn't catch that the first time going through. Okay, you know. So maybe if I'd been there for the end, I would have caught that. Well, it's the it's the classic teaching thing. Like, you, you understand something better when you teach someone else about it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, I love the scene... In Brazil, where the guy's taking his break with the tree, the tree inside, <laughs> and you know, climbs up to free it and break the glass so that it can yeah. know, grow healthily. There's an excellent example of a scene that didn't absolute did not even have to be in the book because they'd already mentioned the new forests, mm-hmm. and that's really all that needed to be mentioned. And yet, it was a delightful scene. They they mm-hmm. take you there as you're seeing this street in Brazil and this whole city being taken over by new rainforests. <laughs> In the same vein, there's a bit with Atlantis <laughs> where you have the submarine captain yeah, the submarine. who's going through the nautical codes <laughs> and found the code for found the lost city of Atlantis. Lost city of Atlantis has risen again. And yeah. you said, like, there's a code yeah, for everything. They thought of everything. You <laughs> had to look it up. But it was it in was the there. book. It was there. <laughs> Hey, found that, it eventually. If that were a real code, I would make a point to memorize right. it. Just, okay. Is that because how probably, many people get to use so that code legitimately? It's so silly that you couldn't forget it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, I know. And obviously, he knew it was in there somewhere because he was looking <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. He was probably going through it trying to memorize, like, what? And like, oh, uh-huh, that was funny. Somebody <laughs> made a joke. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. And then, hey, wait. That's in there. Where is that? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and he sends the code, and the people at the other end are like, oh, my goodness, and they start reacting to it. Go, okay, we got to send some planes to check this out. And he hides on the other end, and like, stop scooping around. Go back to your job. Like all, those, like all those alien movies where the sirens go off, and then one guy's sleeping, the other guy's like playing a game or something. Yeah. He's like, hey, wake up. I don't know what to do. Well, whatever. Yeah, well, oh, crap. You know, it's like, you know, that's the old gag. It's been done so many times. But yeah, I like that. Yeah, I was like, stop goofing around. I don't know what you're doing out there, but do your job. It's like, you're drunk, go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I felt bad for, was it the, uh, they get at one point, they do like the hollow earth theory. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, was it the Tibetans? The Tibetans. The Tibetans. The Tibetans. Coming I up was, Tibetans. you know, working at, you know, what another, and now I'm in a hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tibetans um, popping up a little And then the bunch is like, oh, yeah, I gave him a trowel. I don't know if he knows what he's doing, but, you know, <laughs> he went back into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, they go to, like, British television or whatever, and it's a gardening show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you do about a Tibetan that's come up in the middle of the roses? <laughs> Or azaleas or something. Like that. Oh well, do this and this. Give him, give him give a look. Give him some tea. Give him some tea and send him on his way. <laughs> and at one point, the guys complain like, "Well, it's raining blood on Bring my blood and fish." Oh man, I wish you'd do that here. Great fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> like the British are just like, "Well, yeah." Well, you know. <laughs> but I just want to take a moment and talk about Newt. Just because I think it's so awesome that he's this character that they make a point to say. He is so inept with technology. He is so like mm-hmm. just he can't. He tries so hard to work with technology. He takes the joke circuit that you, you know. do everything backwards, and you know you did it right because it's not working. And he got Radio Moscow on. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's how inept he is. He's so bad. He feels bad for him. And at the end, they're like when they're doing, you know, him and um, and they're trying to stop everything. And he goes, I have a confession to make. I'm not really an engineer. I, everything I touch turns to crap. I I try to fix it. And then she goes, that's it. What? Try to fix it. <laughs> make it better. <laughs> make it better. And as soon as he touches it, it just quits working. Destroys it. It's like, oh. And diverts Armageddon. <laughs> that's a great way to you know, utilize his non-power. As it were. Uh, I love the, uh, the uh, whole phone booth thing. <laughs> he would go into a phone booth and change and come out. Is Clark Kent. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) Newt and Anathema were basically descendants. Yeah. The witch, the witch and the witch hunter. Yeah, yeah. Agnes, who got who exploded, and the witch hunter who caught her. Yeah. 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 I I love the fact that when they like they made love. He's like, well, can we do it again? Yeah. And he's like, no, we, no, no, no. Uh, we'll we only did it once. once. What do you mean? No, I just predicted. No. Pulls out the card with all the notes from like ancestors. Like ancestors on how to make it better. Ancestors joking about it. So precise of what happened. He's like, oh my god. I love how it talks about like his his ancestor. Like, if he knew he was going here for this, he'd be rolling over in his grave. At least, if he'd be he buried. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's blown to smithereens, there's nothing to bury. I loved, loved, loved when Volume 2 arrived. I knew exactly what it was going to be. I was like, oh my gosh! Because she left the book and a and box. And a box. She's left a book and a box and some letters with guidelines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like a letter with instructions. It was, that scene, I laughed and so hard. And you forget about the box. 
Yeah. Because I thought they because I thought they would have put the, the you know yeah. original one into the box. Like that's what I thought they were going to do. You forget yeah. about the box. It turns out the box has volume two and it's supposed to be delivered on this day, three hundred some odd yeah. years later. At this, yeah. You know. I love how everyone who's like gotten curious enough to look in. There's been a letter for them. I know about this. <laughs> Shut it back up and never open it again. Yeah. There are like three different people. <laughs> Run away. Oh my one guy has one. Well, one guy has a heart attack, and the other two, yeah. I tail it out of there. So and I, 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 I loved that. that burned it. Yeah, <laughs> that scene reeked a, for me. Reminded me so much of the end of Back to the Future Two. Oh right. Yeah, you know, oh, like the post office guy shows up. Like, yes, it does. But which of these? Which was, which was first? This I, book or Back to the Future Two? I don't because know who did it another, first. There was another moment in this book that reminded me also of some other story, and and I don't remember what it well, is. Well, so I think this got published in 1990. I think that's when it got published. I don't know how long it took him to write it. Right. Mm. But I believe number two came out before this. I think so. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, but I thought it was burnt, great. They burnt volume two? Yeah. They burned it, I don't yeah. think I caught that. Because Adam that. smells something burning, and he looks... It's going okay. past Jasmine Cottage. Okay. Yeah, and and it was and Agnes And the smoke comes up, and it becomes Agnes' profile, and laughter. I didn't put that together. We actually... I didn't either. Like It makes sense when she says it, but yeah, I... I saw the ghost. I was like, "Oh, that's creepy," um, but I didn't <laughs> put it together. The from the murder in the second book, because yeah. he puts his hand on her hand and said, "Do you want to live the rest of your life as, as a descendant?" Yeah, as a descendant. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne and I had this conversation the other night, and we were wondering, "Do you think she actually wrote an entire volume, knowing that they were going to burn it, or do you think she just like gave him the book?" Yeah. <laughs> Or even just wrote up to the point where the book gets burned. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we did. Yeah, little note. Good luck with you all. I know what else is going to happen, but I see no point in finishing this because you're just going to burn it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. <laughs> I, I know, right? You know. I thought it'd be funny if she did buy a whole book and like, eh, still going to burn it anyway. I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored seeing these happen. things. I'm in the habit of recording them, you know. <laughs> it's going to get burned. Nobody's going to look at it. But. I'm going to get burned. So oh well. <laughs> <laughs> It fills the time. I love it like when they first go into talking about her in the book, like the two publishers like, We should publish like a, a book of prophecies, prophecies. Yeah, and then she just shows up with the volume like yeah. here you go. I was like, No one bought it because she was too accurate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. So anyone right. have any like final okay, words? Yes, so or? final thoughts, words, ratings, whatever. Wayne? Um Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Someone? Um, Bueller? <laughs> I, um, I like their wrap-up on the soldier at the American base, the soldier at the gate. Who that, disappeared. Uh, yeah, as their fellow, and vanished it. Because Crawley was still too out of it. The car. Over the car. And he didn't know where he sent him. And he had no idea where he sent him. And then you come back to the back, and he'd sent him home. He's in his own room. He's smelling apple pie. And he comes down, and his mom goes, aren't you supposed to be in England? Yes, I am in England. You know? Oh, okay. Well, your dad and Uncle Charlie are out in the back 40. And, <laughs> and so he's using all the technical military speak to tell his mom, sir, if somebody tries to call. She says, what's that? He says, 
Sorry, if someone tries to call me on the phone, I'm going to be in the back 40 with that. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, oh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, this isn't even really like a um, like a final thought so much as just like a general observation. Um, whenever you read like a co-authored book, right, and the examples that I always go to are the Pendergast series by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. With those books, it's impossible to tell who wrote what, and it makes for a very cohesive singular story. With this, with this one, Good Omens, the Pratchett portions were very much Pratchett. Like it was, it was like obvious, and it might just be because I haven't read a whole lot of Gaiman, but the Gaiman portions were by default. They, they must be Gaiman, but I felt like his voice wasn't so strong as Pratchett's. You know, like, it, 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 it to me, it read as a book definitely written by two separate authors. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just an interesting kind of, like, I kept going, oh, this is, this portion was written by this guy, and oh, this portion must have been written by this guy. Like, I, I kept going back and forth, and it was a little distracting to me, just a little bit, because I, I kept coming away from the story, you know? You don't want to break that kind of um, connection to the book, but it kept happening to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend the book. I mean, I got by the, the, the Britishisms, and just basically just imagine what I thought they meant and got through the book but that that's basically the only problem I had with the book was that and but overall it was a, it was a really good story and I definitely recommend it mm-hmm. mm. uh, yeah it I would recommend it as well it, it had uh, amazing character development I think you know and the uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, even even some of the minor characters that are only minor. in a scene or two yeah. got a lot of depth, um, mm-hmm. which is is fun. But Pratchett's kind of known for that. But I don't know about game animal. I've only, like I said, I've only read Coraline. I've read more of his comic books, and in a mm-hmm. comic book, you only have thirty some odd pages to move the story. Yeah. So I I haven't read a whole lot of his novel work, other than we started uh, um, American Gods, and even then. I haven't like figured out what his voice is, mm. you know. See, I haven't either. Yeah. So fun. Um, no, it was it was good. Um, but then again, I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan, so mm. you know I'm gonna like it. There, there are moments that slow things down, and although I'd love to see it made into say a mini series or something like that, if there's some things that would just have to be cut because they would they slow everything down. Yeah. And if then there's some things where you're like, but they're important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I think honestly, if I were going to try to do that, I, it would be I would not want to be doing the script writing for that because it yeah. would just be insane. Yeah. Um, but you know, so there's there's moments that 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 skip a lot, and there's moments that just slow things down. So you know, some people might have a harder time with that. Mm-hmm. You know, but for me, I mean, I I enjoyed it so. And there's yeah. there's been talk back and forth for years about this being made into something for the screen, you know. But so oh it, gosh. it might. I mean, now I don't know so much, but it <laughs> might still happen one day. Yeah, yeah, but it won't be as good. Yeah. Because you know. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a, a sci-fi miniseries that lasts like six episodes or something. Some like that. Well, like I told you, they did it as a radio Monday, play. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And the, there's four. <laughs> uh, the radio play is four episodes and each episode I think is three hours yeah Yeah. Um, you know and again I can't get it anywhere I can 
look it up on the BBC website, but it doesn't say for sale. I can't buy it anymore. Uh-huh. So and if they made Lord of the Rings into a a trilogy thing, why why not this? Yeah. Peter Jackson, get on that. (laughs) The Good Omens trilogy. (laughs) It took the Hobbit. (laughs) Peter Jackson and say you need a little Tim Burton's. The two you can go, you know. But then you get Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp. (laughs) I don't want them. Never mind. Just Peter. Okay. (laughs) Well, you can make Johnny Depp Crowley. That might work. No. No, no. He, he's too much. I can't help it. Every time I imagine Crowley, I imagine uh, supernatural Crowley. Yeah. that actor. I can't, <laughs> can't remember his name right now, but yeah. yeah. Um, I would definitely say, you know, an 8 out of 10, I would probably give it because there are moments, like you guys mm-hmm. said, or kind of slow, or maybe you had to read twice to fully understand the meaning of what happened. But overall, I think it was really fun. You know, I, I, I enjoyed a lot of the humor of it because it was. You know, I think one of the reviews or the tagline was, "The apocalypse has never been so funny." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was I, a quote from Clyde Barker. Was the quote? Barker. Oh, okay, nice. right on the cover. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, I, I think that pretty much says it all. I mean, it was very funny and it was very, you know, it had a lot of um, really good characters and some good te- character development. Uh, and then some characters who just went back to being like they were, you know, mm-hmm. before the almost apocalypse. So I would definitely give it an 8 out of 10 as far as, you know. Yeah. It just popped into my head. The ducks. Well, the ducks that the, were at the, the pond with the... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, under, that understood the, the secret agents of the politicos <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Because that was the part where, you know, opposing agents would meet to... Feed the ducks. Feed the ducks. Because <laughs> yeah, it actually need to talk. And, and uh, they would go to the, the agent with the good food. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, well, I don't think oh, you said. Yeah. I, How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you, feel? Um, you know, I said I started this in college. So I feel accomplished. <laughs> um, so I've been counting years. <laughs> we don't talk about that. No, we don't talk about that. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I, I can check this off the the, the list. Um, I don't know if I'll read it again, to be honest. Like I, it's it's a great book, but even the audio version's like sixteen hours. It. You really have to be committed to you reading it. You have to be committed. See, I kind of want to read it again, but maybe like five or six years down the line, after I've read a bunch more Gaiman, because mm. I want to see if I can find his voice in there. Or I'm sure it's it there, but from what I understand, Pratchett wrote the majority of this book. Yeah, like, I think Gaiman even said somewhere online after his passing, like the only reason why this book happened was because of Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Well, because I think I read, I don't remember if it was in the back of, or where, but I read somewhere, like, Gaiman had written, like, the first part of it, or had written part of it, and had sent, sent it to Pratchett. And then a and year later, he, he yeah. replied back. He was <laughs> like, oh, this needs to be finished. And so. Yeah. I think that's what, yeah. I don't think I would read, I don't think I would ever read uh, the book again, because I've never read a book twice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I, w- I wouldn't start with this. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have a lot. I have a lot more uh, books that are that are favorites of mine. That if I was to read a book twice, I'd start with those. True. Yeah, there's very few books I've ever read twice. Um, yeah, I, I probably would. I agree with you guys. I mean, or if I did, it would be for like Lewis said to compare. Like, mm-hmm. okay, now that I've read more Gaiman, I just want to see how much of it was him and how much of it was Pratchett. You know. No. No. I've I read it two and a half times at this point. <laughs> half time? Oh, that was a weird summer. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that. He read the second half. He read most of the second half to Justin and I mm. over the last couple of days um, just because we were behind. So. Well, I was going to say, you couldn't finish it in college either. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't the first half, it was the second half. He's read it through twice and the second half a third done. Yeah. Out loud. He just didn't want to start from the beginning. So, um, our next book is Michael Crichton's Eater of the Dead. This is because of a, a tie. Uh, and we're going to be changing our voting system and stuff because almost on every episode we've had a tie. I mean, um, uh, we actually should change that before the next episode. Yeah, well, oh, we're, well, well, we, we, we have a we system. We have a system that we're going to talk about. Oh, cool. Okay. Once yeah. we go off. We discussed it. Ah. But yeah. if everyone wants to go around, because normally this is the part of the podcast where we recommend and vote on the next book, that's Michael Crichton's Eater of the Dead. Mm-hmm. So if everyone wants to go around and let's say you listen to this podcast, you liked Good Omens, you want something similar, like we'll go around and. And Just at least say you might like this. If you, you like might this. like that. Like for me, I'm gonna say <laughs> like a reading rainbow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you, you like this, yeah, these are others you might want to check out. But don't take my word Oh my <laughs> I think I ended every third grade book report with that. Thinking I was so slick. Okay. But like if, if, if you plug into the British humor, I'd recommend. Uh, we talked about it before we got a mic. Uh, Dirk Gentry's um, Gently. Gently's. Um, Holistic Detective, uh, you know, by Douglas Adams. Um, I didn't know there was a second book. I just knew the Holistic Detective. Yeah, it's the long, dark tea time of the soul. That sounds so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second yeah. book. Um, so, like, I would recommend if you like British humor, you know, you can't beat uh, Douglas Adams. No, you really can't. Yeah. Wait. Um... Since we were discussing beforehand, that was the first one that popped into my head. Uh, so, if you liked Good Omens, <laughs> yes, yeah. If you if you liked Good Omens, um, how about we get back to you? Yeah, we can get, get back, back to you. Yeah. There's too much dead space. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's it's okay. Well, I, I could go with I go with me. Um, I've never read Pratchett or Gaiman before, so I really don't have an opinion on what book to to recommend. I mean, you're just gonna have to read it, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then or read, there read any something else. Supernatural or anything like that that you would recommend? Anything supernatural that compared to this book? Yeah, I'd say definitely something from Clive Barker. Well, yeah, he's on the yeah. cover, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Since he's since he's thinking that it was funny, it's definitely if anything that's remotely like it would be something from Clive Barker. Okay. Um, the first one that jumps to my mind is one that I'm I'm positive we'll get to at some point on the podcast. Um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> which is, has been recommended before. Yes, it, yeah. it has been. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, I think it must have ended in a tie at some point. Yeah. So. 
Or um, just barely missed out. I yeah, mean, the, okay. it's it's funny British humor. It starts with the end of the world. <laughs> like it's just it's good and it's and it's funny sci-fi, which is another something that you don't. Yeah, another apocalypse. apocalypse. Oh, you, no. you don't you don't get funny sci-fi <laughs> all that much, and it's just it's hilarious. Oh my god! So yeah, it's I'd, I'd recommend that one. Mm. See, I have two that immediately popped into my head. So the fact that my dad, who um, got me on to both of these two, is coming up blank is, is shocking to me. But um, of course, uh, for me, uh, uh, obviously more Terry Pratchett. But um, thinking of death along the lines of Terry Pratchett, Mort would be. But um, one that I actually uh, recommended last time, On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony. Um, he, he has a series that is about death, war, um, t- I mean, in, in each time. book, time, um, each Mother Earth, each book is about uh, fate is one of them. You know, there's like five books, and each one is about that the main character is one of those characters, and and it, they're fantastic. Maybe not quite as funny as this, but definitely along the same vein. And then it's supernatural, end of the world type things dealing with some of the same characters, like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and things like that. So. Um, the four bikers of the apocalypse. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, the first one of the series is On a Pale Horse, and then their bikers, Anthony. Very, very good. So. Um, well, if we're going looking at uh, funny sci-fi stuff, uh, the only thing that comes to mind for me is uh, Robert Asprin's Myth series. Uh, uh, each book starts out like myth conception myth and melody and stuff like that and it's about a young wizard who meets a demon and it's their travels back and forth through dimensions <laughs> and stuff like that where the dimension that houses trolls you have these ugly male trolls that are eight feet tall and the voluptuous buxom green trollops as the females and it, it's just funny sci-fi, uh, fantasies type stuff to me. So you might find that interesting as well. Okay, well, um, I, I was thinking if you like this book and you like Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman as writers, then obviously Terry Pratchett, well, anything from the Discworld, but um, I think Bonnie mentioned earlier Mort because in that book it does deal with death as a character, and he takes on an apprentice, and just that's it's really amazing. <laughs> and I'm not even finished with it, but I'm partway through it and thinking this is just can't get any better. <laughs> and um, the set from Neil Gaiman, uh, I I'd probably recommend um, oh, what American Gods because yeah, again that's another one that I've started recently. That actually it's really good as far as you know him writing by himself without Pratchett and kind of getting a sense for his writing style and you know I just haven't read enough of the book yet to fully be able to distinguish okay this is absolutely him this is probably the first episode I'm pretty sure we're going to get hate mail on because Gaiman has such a ravenous fan base yeah. <laughs> and they're going to yeah. be like the heck you haven't yeah. read enough Gaiman I know. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't mean to you know. like we, we, we honestly we have a lot of respect for Neil Gaiman as an author. We do. You can't do what he's done and not have respect. We just we haven't got to him yet. Like, we just, <laughs> there's so many authors that are so famous that I just it's haven't read yet. Hard to get to them. It all. just happens that way. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I promise to those who love yeah. Gaiman, we will get to more Gaiman. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. All right. Uh, you think of something, Wayne? Um, Mort has been mentioned several times, but um, Terry Pratchett's book, Reaper Man. Oh, yeah, that would be. That one actually focuses on the character of death more than Mort does in, in that sense because it's the one where death gets fired by the powers that be <laughs> and replaced and ends up having a showdown with his replacement and winning and getting his job back. Did he get unemployment in the meantime? It's <laughs> 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 a holiday. It is a really good one. Of course, I'm totally biased. Yeah. This world, Terry Pratchett, love. But uh, okay. So, all right. Uh, see you next month for uh, Eaters of the Dead. Yes. Right, have a good Okay, there you have it. Um, that was uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, Good Omens, a uh, a classic. Uh, if you haven't read the book and you just listen to this podcast, uh, I would recommend that you read the book. Um, I know it sounds like an odd thing, but I, I listen to a similar podcast about comic books, and on occasion I listen to the episodes where they're not talking about stuff I haven't personally read. Um, so, uh, next time, I might... Since it's been so long since we've updated, uh, my fault, we might go ahead and put one up sooner. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know for, for sure right now. Um, but next time when we meet, uh, we will be reading uh, Eaters of the Dead, uh, a classic novel. Based, uh, they based a movie off of this, uh, The 13th Warrior. Uh, it's a really fun read, uh, steeped in, uh, Beowulf, uh, hi- uh, the history of Beowulf kind of thing. Um, so, uh, Michael Crichton, uh, I hope you enjoy, uh, Eaters of the Dead next time. So, thank you, and, uh, have a good, uh, I don't even know how to end these podcasts. Um, I don't know. Enjoy, in, in uh, Enjoy your books. Thank you.